We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Welcome to Maisel Men. That's right, Maisel Men. This is not some sort of Gilmore, guys. This is Maisel Men, where I get together with my best Maisel man, and we discuss all things Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, and I'm, as always, excited to be selected as one of the Maisel men. It's such an honor because I love this show so much, and I'm glad we're going to get super popular now and going to be in season three of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because we got there first. We registered the domain, so if you go to maiselmen.com, that's us now. That means we get to be in season three. That's right. That's how much we love this show. And we are here to discuss episodes five through eight, the back half of the first season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, just a heads up, we will be getting into spoiler territory. If you are looking for a spoiler-free review, please listen to our previous episodes where we uh, episode where we have a spoiler-free discussion before getting in episodes one through four. Yeah, I will admit to some trepidation as to how we are going to release this podcast weekly for the next uh, year until season two comes out but uh, for now you're right you can check out our previous episode not episodes there's just one um but it's hey you know it's about quality not quantity which is the same i would say about this show eight episodes and my stomach is full in a good way like we often say like not enough or too much i don't know i think this was a very good length of this first season do you feel the same i agree um I mean, it does leave you wanting more, uh, but if anything, that's a good thing. I don't know if that's just a sign of us getting old, but we're like, hey, leave it at a nice eight episodes. Uh, I mean, they maybe could have done ten, but I'll take the eight because I don't think there was really much. There wasn't really anything I would have said was bad or was unneeded. It, It had a great flow, great characters, and then it just leaves you wanting more. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tight storytelling really and i mean game of thrones had seven episodes and there's just so much going on in that show uh that it wasn't enough this season um and in in marvelous mrs mazels we have like these characters and they are doing their shit uh they're they're getting through the plot and getting to an appropriate and satisfying climax because we don't have like 18 storylines going on so eight is a good number um do you want to like start getting into the details of the episodes or do you have anything else in general to say well like i was telling you uh recently i've put it all together marvelous Mm. mrs mazel is a superhero show for many Mm. reasons number one being the title uh we're going over amy sherman paladino titles in our last episode and how it doesn't ever seem to really nail it But now that I think about it, now that I've seen the show, this title nails it. It's like the spectacular Spider-Man, except it's the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Not only that, but Mrs. Maisel, she's dealing with a double life, a secret identity, if you will, because she's got one life that she lives in the day. You know, just just another divorcee living at home with her parents, trying to make it in uh, selling makeup or perfume or what have you. But by night, wowing audiences in all the clubs. Uh, but honing that craft, using her superpower, which of course is the gift of gab. I mean, who who else has a better gift of gab than Midge Maisel? That's right. 
she is a superhero. Not only that, she is a budding, uh, I guess, arch nemesis or villain, if you will, in, in uh, Sophie? Joel Maisel. I'd say Joel Maisel. Mm. Joel Maisel is the budding villain because well, I mean, or, or existing villain, depending on who you talk to, uh, because there's this love hate thing. There's this, there's this, uh, like he, she's everything he wants to be. And he's like the complete opposite. He's the Joker to her Batman. He's the Lex Luthor to her Superman. He's the green goblin. <laughs> So you're saying you don't ship them, uh, that I assume then, or maybe you ship them more than anyone. Weirdly enough, when we get into it, I do ship them. Actually, I kind of do, and I, I kind of do, and I kind of don't, and I feel like that's what the show's going for. Maybe yeah. I'm, I'm such, I'm stuck in this gray area, and all the best superhero stories have tons of gray area, murky territory to explore. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the only problem I see is it should have been called Marvels, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, of course. Uh, but I, I guess I agree with Joel is definitely the main bad guy. But I would see him going to uh, going to Sophie's mansion and sort of sh she takes him under her wing because he's not good enough, but he can do he can do like the 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 big character or whatever. So he can learn from from Sophie, who's sort of manipulating behind the corners from her mansion, which is even uh, more superhero-y. Sophie, I mean, there's a ro every every superhero has a rogues gallery of villains. Yeah, I'm just saying the main like the be all end all's got to be Joel, but of course Sophie Lennon's in the mix for sure. Now, we're, I mean, we we joke kind of, but. Uh, there's something to what you're saying, just, you know, structurally, story-wise. When she starts working at this uh, makeup counter, I, I realize, like, this is so super exciting to me to watch her. And, and if the pitch for the show was, it's about these 1950s housewife, right? But get this, she works at a makeup counter, right? And there's all this drama. I would not care. I, or I wouldn't sit down to watch it. Maybe if it was made by the same people, it would be just as great. Um, but in the end... Uh, it's because she has this secret identity and there's more stuff going on. This is like Peter Parker in high school, so it's more interesting than just high school. Exactly, because I started putting this together once Once they had that episode ends with uh, the tape, like whether well, the recording of her um, like first getting on stage, yeah. and I'm realizing like, oh my God, what if her family finds out? And now I'm like, this is just yeah. This is Peter Parker uh, when someone finds out who he is, and you got to keep that secret. And oh my God, things are gonna, everything's gonna change once change once people find out the truth. Yeah, you did say she has a sidekick, right? Or uh, oh, yeah, like yeah, Susie. Of course, Susie's her sidekick, but also doubles as kind of like a mentor role as well. So it's kind of a little of both. Well, and Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce is a is a is a co superhero, of course. Oh, you're right. That's right. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce is the, you know, the Iron Man to to her Spider-Man. Exactly. And again, like this is this is actually kind of a useful way to look at when you're writing something, I think, when you think like, what if I just take this stuff and put it, but I make comedy the superpower. You're right. That is the superpower because you have like, I mean, it's an oversimplification, but you kind of have similar beats of fa trying and failing and things like that, that that actually makes it a super dynamic story because we like it's there. I mean, it's obviously like that's the thing about story structure. Anything you can apply anything. And if it's useful to you, then that's the right way of thinking about it. You could also say it's a hero's journey. She's a hero or whatever. But I think 
given everything, saying she's a superhero is actually a really useful way to think about it. I agree. I agree. So if you need to, if you're trying to pitch this show to your friends and your friends are kind of dumb, uh, just start to like, I know like, like what Jacob's saying, this kind of sounds like a joke, but it works. It's all there. I, I imagine that Amy Sherman Palladino has the board in the writer's room talking about the superhero's journey and how it all ties in with Midge Maisel. Sidekick secret. Id I mean, the secret identity stuff is big. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else uh, we can add on top of that cake. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, let's get into let's get into the episodes then. Let's get into uh, where, where we're at. I mean, where episode we left five. Off, yeah. Yeah. Where we left off. There was the budding friendship between Midge and Susie with their hot dog scene, uh, hot dog friend scene. And, you know, they're going out checking out comedy and Midge has you know, reverted back to being the child living in her childhood's bedroom, uh, trying to figure out her life. Yeah. And that's, you know, she says, I've got to get a job. And that is where we start in episode five. Doink is the name of the episode. Um, it starts with her going to get the lift operator job, but she accidentally becomes a makeup counter girl instead. Again, with her being the most fabulous at everything and just kind of accidentally realizing that that's the job for her and she goes and asks for it and and, and get it uh, gets it but overall i mean this is the the episode where she bombs and that's what we were saying last time when she stood up at the political rally and we were like huh they love her too huh like we we felt that there needed to be some sort of downward swing here in this part of the story and sure enough this is um well one of the worst downward turns where at the end of this episode she is like she's given up she's given up on it because um she she obviously goes to the gaslight and tries to perform about her first day at work and it just goes to shit yeah and and um it's done so well it's so awkward and it's so because as far as midge is concerned hey i've gone up like you know two or three times or anytime i talk in front of a crowd I just say whatever's on my mind and it works out great. I don't need to prepare anything. I just look around in my day and pull that. And it's great because it also shows how disconnected she is because she's like, time clocks? What are these about? Punching <laughs> a clock, huh? And it's like working people there in the gaslight. So they're all like, who's this this idiot? Uh, she's trying to like goof on a time clock. Yeah, we punch we punch clocks all day. We ain't this ain't new. And she's just saying, oh, she's trying to reference like you know, Mrs. So-and-so, huh? But no one knows who that is. No one knows your boss. They don't get your your dumb impression. Uh, it's so awkward. It's such a perfect representation of a bomb. And then she's even got, like, the hecklers calling her out. Uh, and, yeah, I I feel like this was definitely needed. Like you said, we, we kind of were feeling it, too, in our last discussion because it did just seem so too effortless. And to an extent, we can buy it. Like... When we see her go up kind of drunk, like dealing with all the drama of her life and just venting, we understand that that can connect with an audience. But when she's just like happy-go-lucky going up talking about her day, it shouldn't work and it doesn't. Yeah, and she says, I've only done this drunk or stoned. What if that's the only reason I'm funny? And Susie's like, yeah, have you ever met a comic? You know, that's, that, I can't do that every time. You can't. No, you sure? Uh, but she tells her to prepare a little. 
and uh you know um midge is listening to her party records or whatever they call them no yeah uh from from these different performances and she starts putting like i mean in a way she was preparing because they went to all the comedy shows and did all the research but i guess she was just kind of hoping to absorb that and not actually write the material right that's what we're supposed to get from this yeah yeah because Um, she's taking notes on like mannerisms and stuff like that but it yeah, you didn't get. It didn't seem like the point got across that she should also be writing and structuring her material and jokes. Yeah, there are some other uh, bits and pieces here, um, scenes I wanted to just mention at least. That there's the part where she tells her parents that she's going to work, and her mother is just devastated and leaves the room. While Abe, at, and Abe has become probably my favorite character uh, in this back half. Um, so he, he asks like a hundred questions or yeah, he comes in back into the room literally six times because he asks something and she has an answer for it. And he's like, okay. And he goes off and then he's like, but you know, you have to go every day. Right. And things that he's like, yes, I know. Okay. Okay. So I, I liked it. I liked, he, he seems kind of proud in the end, but keeps double checking and triple checking. Um, what did you get from that? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it because there's still that. I mean, part of it obviously is like the whole, um, uh, you know, time frame and uh, the patriarchy, which still exists today, of course. Of but course part of it is that, and part of it is just him knowing like his wife and his daughter, or what he thinks he knows of his daughter. He just assumes that his daughter is much like his wife, and of course, there are a lot of similarities there. But you know, Midge has this whole personality that we—I mean, going back to the superhero thing—that we're aware of that even her closest people aren't like to us we're like yeah of course you know midge is gonna go get a job and she's gonna kill it but to her dad it's still like no she's just a woman that needs a man to help her and it's my little girl and uh but yeah i i like that it, it nails that tone of you know he's being a dick but he's also really proud and kind yeah. of you know re- really happy for his daughter and what we come back to in these episodes is that um, Abe knows that Joel tried to come back and Rose, the mother, does not, which is obviously a, a, becomes a huge source for conflict because she's still set on everything going back to normal and Midge getting a job is a step away from that. So that's why there's another scene where she's not feeling it when uh, Midge comes home with a lipstick as a gift. And I thought of you and blah, blah, blah. And I did this and that. And her mother is just not having it at all. She's, uh, she's not barely talking um, to her family at this point. Yeah, because again, to her, it's, I mean, it's hard to say it's not malicious. I guess it's kind of malicious, but to her, it's just there's a happy life she has that she has herself and wants for her daughter. And she doesn't understand, like, this is all good. These are good things. Her daughter's becoming independent. But to her, it's like a weird shame thing going back to you know how she makes these extravagant stories of like oh no joel they're redoing the apartment and joel is getting a promotion and just these tales you have to tell to hide like the reality of your life yeah so heading back forward after she bombs um the first thing she does is look up a comedy writer like she doesn't even really try um which i guess is for expedience sake because we know she would kill it if she tried kind of um but she she just hated that feeling so much and lost so much of her confidence it's not like it's not believable like you and i i think have both at certain times thought about doing stand-up and it's not like 
it's not the fear of doing okay that scares us away. It's the fear of losing it completely and bombing, right? I mean, that's what the fear everyone has. And Susie says everyone bombs. So that means even if you get to become a successful stand-up, you still have to bomb a lot. And that, for me, is like, okay, well, I'll just do podcasts, I guess. Yeah, that way, uh, if I'm bombing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let me check the chat real quick. Are we bombing? <laughs> There's no uh, one there. Yeah, and the uh, joke, <laughs> the joke writer is great. Uh, yeah, w Wallace, uh, Sean, Herb Smith in the show. Yeah, the that actor's great, and like it's weird because as the audience, I mean, you're very skeptical of it, obviously, but I think they do a good job of making you think, like, well, wait, maybe it'll be good. Maybe he'll really help her. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then he comes back with a bunch of jokes on cards and a pickle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they have the scene in the um, the stage deli, which becomes a recurring uh, place for them to hang out in these episodes and meets Herb. And um, yeah, he's good. You're right. It's a balance of like, eh, maybe he did a joke and he likes her comedy. No, uh, in the end, uh, the pickle kind of s tells us, no, he's not actually funny. And um, yes, yeah, so that, that's she actually gets that when she's at work, she gets a package with the flashcards and the pickle. Yeah, and and to when she goes up, like this is where there's a there's a little bit of like what we know of Midge. I kind of doubted that she wouldn't read these jokes. You just go up on. St I mean, I guess she's kind of rushed, is what they the way they pitch it. But it, it started uh, like that. That seemed a little flaky to me. That she's just gonna go up and just start reading them without even like glancing at them, and then even on stage being like, "Wait, I don't have a kid." Like, really, like like the jokes aren't good no matter what but then she's also t helping tank it herself it seemed a little bit off from when the the midge we've known for the past like four and a half episodes mm -hmm. i i mean i guess i can buy it because she's the person who's always been able to do everything and now she has this job and all of a sudden she doesn't even know what's going on in her own home she she has this one of the things that Abe says okay to is she's going to leave her kids with this uh, uh, lady who took care of her when she was young, and then she comes home and the kids are just there, and her, her mother's like, that lady's a drunk. And she, she like, there's so much going on, and she is not used to working, and she is rushed by, by Susie. I mean, at the same time, though, after having just done that, bummed, and hated it so much, she should and should have realized she needed to take a bit, time, uh, bit of time to... Uh, prep obviously but um it wasn't too hard for me to swallow even though obviously everyone watching had a sense of well this is not going to go well so i in a way she should have as well yeah yeah and, and one thing i do like about this episode because i was even thinking it during the episode because you know to midge when she's just starting a new job it's still it's kind of this cool thing like oh hey i'm gonna go to my job for a while and it and a little bit to abe's point i i started being like, oh man, but like to regular people, jobs aren't just like a fun thing to go to and, yep. and get to hang out. And I, I do like that, you know, by the end of this episode, you do see like more of a day to day type midge where it's not like a chippy, like I'm going to work. It's like, oh, here we go. I gotta go punch a clock and do this for a while. And, you know, then I gotta try to think up jokes. So, like, kind of more of a reality starts to set in a bit, which I like to see. Yeah, and uh, she, 
I mean, she's still the belle of the ball, though. When she goes to a party and everything, she just naturally is the best, of course. But but uh, moving back, when she does bomb, uh, like, Herb is there. And, uh, uh, like, as Susie reveals, like, he just sells the same jokes to everyone. You did this without talking to me. And this is where we get, you know, it's a, it's a really bad situation because Susie's upset about that. And Midge is obviously super upset, having just bombed. And they have a big fight. It's kind of like we always talk about how Amy Sherman Palladino is great at mixing in the drama with the comedy and everything. And this fight, like, it really uh, kind of hits you a bit. Like, it's a, it's a hurtful kind of fight. And yet, in the next episodes, it's not like they need to have a big moment and be apart for a long time. They can actually deal with it like regular people kind of coming together and like, so we said some stuff. So you're sorry, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> so the yeah. thing that actually eventually starts tearing them apart is more, um, yeah, more, more uh, other other things coming in, so to speak. Yeah, I was gonna actually ask about that because I liked because they don't really have this big scene where we have to explain the, you know, that we're on good terms again. It's just because this fight it does seem like, oh, this is it. Like, you know, Midge is quitting again. They're, they're not cool anymore. But it's just, it is kind of, I, I like that it just is, they're kind of just talking again in the next episode. There's not like a big to-do around like someone coming in for their comeuppance or whatever for the fight. They're both kind of just back together working for the good of the comedy. Yeah, although if there's one um, one answer to that for me, it's that they do have the big scene at the end of episode six, the next episode. Like they, the, it's not the fight itself that's caused this to happen. Like, cause at the end uh, and, and at the start of the next episode, they still kind of still want to be in the same place and get to the same place. They have joined together hopes and dreams and things, but they're heading in different directions and they're having different issues. And it's the big scene at the end of six. After that, they're cemented together. Um, yep. So in a way, the fight kind of continues, even though they're talking, they're not on the same wavelength at all uh, over the next episode. So in a way, the conflict goes on until the big scene at the end of episode six. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's completely true. I, I liked how that's handled, though, because most shows would have to have a thing before they're back at a because like basically she invites her to one of the parties because she's working the party circuit and most shows would have to have a moment where they talk like, oh, hey, you know, hey, Sir Boy said, hey, anyways, can you come to this party? It just kind of like, drops you back into it. And then you're right, comes back up again when they have another kind of row with each other. Now, yeah. uh, backing up a quick uh, in episode five, is that when we also see Joel trying to like make his new relationship between like with his, you know, going out to a play with his friends and uh, going out to dinner with his parents. Yeah, I was going to say he goes to dinner with Penny Pan and his parents and they're so nice and affable with her. And then when she's away, they both say, nope, no, yeah. <laughs> not to, no, you're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. And then his friend at work is talking about how, you know, his wife's so looking to looking forward to this Broadway show or what have you. And then they're going to double date. And it's kind of like everything is going to fall back into place. He's just another married guy with his new wife. But even even his friend's wife is like, nope, we don't. There's this inner circle and sh whatever, whatever Penny uh, brings to the table, it is not wanted. 
Yeah, uh, because, yeah, he does plan to go and see the show, uh, I guess, Trouble in River City, which is the great exit music uh, in that one, where, yeah, uh, his buddy calls and Imogen's just in the background flipping a paper, and they don't need to say it, but we realize that he was just like, oh, yeah, the show, of course, and then he went home, and she's like, what? Go with Penny Pan? Uh, so they're obviously not going, so they get to sit there and there uh, with two empty seats next to them uh, at the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then Midge, Midge has kind of uh, consoled herself or is basically protecting herself from bombing by just, you know, being at a party and having people gather around as she spins some yarns for the for the crowd. And that's kind of where episode six picks up as well. Yeah, that's uh, and- uh- Episode six, Mrs. X at the Gaslight, um, which, as you mentioned, that's at the very end of the episode. They're dubbing the uh, the disc of her first performance. But yeah, she falls into this party thing, which at the time I was thinking, you know, this is fine. She can like work on her stuff or whatever. But actually, it's also obviously like her going to a place of comfort and like getting comfortable there and not going to leave it ever, probably. Yes. Yeah. And then she even gets to get to run in with another guy who likes to do improv bits at the party circuit as well apparently and yep. they kind of do a little uh like a little duo type uh bits in front of the party yeah the hitler bit um which was uh pretty good pretty good yeah, hitler yeah, bit pretty good. and um that's kind of the like the good and bad of what we're talking about with the eight episodes is we could see that they're planting something here with this character uh but there's not really time to get into it which is fine i mean that's something we can explore later because I assume because we see this guy a few times, I assume that's kind of going to be a thing, right? I mean, I, I assumed it, the point was to build it up to the level of her going um, to because, you know, what happens is they, they have a few scenes and then he comes to her work and says, come have come have dinner. I'll have a proposition. So we get to the meeting with the the agent from William Morris, which is, you know, an agency that still exists and is very famous, manage everyone. Um, so that kind of amps up the whole uh, conflict with Susie, obviously. Yes. But what I mean is, yeah, I, I, I know about that, but because that turns into more about that agent and being mm-hmm. like this agent's pulling shit and this agent wants to get in her pants or he wants to use her up and spit her out but it never really like we don't get collateral damage on the uh the character on the actual comedian guy who makes the introduction yeah he's kind of gone after this because it's as you said it's um there's no room for it i'm sure it'll be in season two but probably not very prominently like it almost feels like she was flattening out there and now she's going to shoot off like a star so he's not going to be as relevant but he, we've seen that he is funny it's not just that he's uh what? like some idiot trying to drag her down correct yeah yeah and what's the what's the uh duo that they compare themselves to i can't nickels and something or yeah. um it's nickels nickels and may yeah. Uh, and she, like the thing that sorry to cut you off the thing that um the Susie tells her like you're basically going to be like a magician's assistant just standing there looking pretty you're not going to do your this is not you uh you have a chance to be someone unique and start something like you could be an icon uh maybe it's knuckles in may yeah yeah i, I think Oh, I think nope. That's a that's a Sonic the Hedgehog meme. Uh, just that's, Google was trying to auto suggest me to. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it's a real thing, but yeah, that's what they were talking about. 
Do you know if it's real? Uh, yeah, Nichols and May. I, I didn't know offhand, but yeah, I pulled it up. It was a Grammy Award winning American improv comedy duo act developed by Mike Nichols and Elaine May. They have three comedy albums that reached the top 40 between 1959 and 1962. Hmm. Like, you think yeah. you're Nichols and May? I, I did. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing. That's not, nothing I'd ever heard of, but I just love the way they're throwing the reference around. Angela. Yeah. And that, like, she does, she didn't even know who they were. Of course, she doesn't want to be that. Um, but there's some other scenes uh, in between here as well, like Abe's fantastic uh, whole sequence of him working, and then some gentlemen come along with a bit of an offer. And he's like looking at his watch. He's like, ah, I don't know. Like, I have to grade papers. And then he, they're from Bell Labs. And he's like, ah, what's, have I heard? What is it? What is, tell me more. And he kind of hangs out and he, uh, then he comes home and he's like, we're going to dinner like he's always wanted to work at bell labs and i just love him as so much for like blue balling them like that like oh, maybe we'll talk about it and he's like his highest wish of working there but so even, and even the way he brags about it to his wife he's like you should have seen me i was like oh bell labs what is that and then you know becomes clear as even me just like ever since i was a kid all i ever talked about was how i wanted to work for bell labs yeah. and then and then this is where we get to meet Noah and Astrid. And I have to say, uh, it's definitely like a, a talent of, uh, of the Paladinos because this Astrid character comes in and she's not really on the show a lot, but like I immediately feel for her, like the way she's written and the way she's portrayed because she's trying so hard to be Jewish and to fit in with the family. And as we've seen with someone like Penny, uh, on Joel's side, you know, you can easily be excommunicated with like, you know, the 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 the, the nod of your cap uh, when they don't want to accept you. And but like both Noah, who is Midge's brother and Astra with little screen time, like I loved these characters for some reason. Yeah, and they like kind well, kind of similar to the comedian guy. Like they're not they're only here. They're they're not in it that much, but they're they're there and they feel totally real and they're like a promise of more great stuff to come, really. Because it's as you say, like if you were just writing one season, would you give them this much of a personality? Uh would it matter? Like they would be there to serve a function in the story. And I mean, yeah, sure, they're doing that here too, but uh, just having her there in the kitchen showing off the rabbi trading cards and her whole worry about him leaving her and him saying, no, why, why are you worried about that? And that worry is wor what's actually causing them to have issues at all. Um, it's just a, a promise of great things to come. And I don't know how much of like being able to plan that is helped by them having two seasons ordered at the same time, because obviously they've kind of broken the story, I'm sure, for a lot of it um, in one go. So these characters are, there's no question that they're coming back and they're going to be central. Um, but even just in it for a little bit, they do, they, they're so great. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, because that leads to, you know, they go out to dinner at a Chinese restaurant to celebrate Abe's uh, new job. And of course, Joel and Penny are also at the same uh, restaurant, uh, much to everyone's chagrin. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, we, we have some other clips pulled up, but I, I, I just have to mention the greatness of his uh, story about the math teacher that Abe tells when he was a little young kid. And, you know, his math teacher got him to grade the papers and said, wow, Abe, you are a mathematical genius. And and uh, I think it's uh, uh, Midge's sister-in-law who says, you know, wow, that's beautiful. Did you keep in touch with her? He's like, that idiot? No, she had mistakes in the things. Uh, I immediately transferred out of her class and she left the school on my recommendation <laughs> uh so great um and then the thing is with we haven't talked about joel a lot i mean obviously we will uh when we get into these upcoming episodes where like because even here i believe him like joel i believe joel there's no malice between behind what he's doing when he you know he even he's like oh my god i only came here because i didn't think this is the one spot i thought you wouldn't be I'm not trying to like mess with your family and I don't want people to hate me any more than they do. But in just true Joel fashion, like he's such a schmuck that, <laughs> you know, everything he does is wrong. <laughs> yes. And he, this is where he gets to see that she's not wearing her wedding ring anymore. And he is. So uh, there's an, I mean, we were already talking about this, but uh, she has a cigarette with her uh, brother in, uh, on the fire escape and talk about their worries and things um his his wife worried about him leaving her and so on um it's a it's a nice moment and like we said it's like a short moment but it tells you so much about their relationship and and even like when he says something like even though he's a he's a character we just met in this episode we haven't even really spent a lot of time with him but when he tells midge like you were the funny one you're always the funny one like to me, that still means a lot. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe Mitch's brother, you know, is, uh, he believes in her and he's telling her all this stuff. So I just really liked how they did so much with so little. Not to hammer home our point, but it's kind of like when Peter Parker is just hanging out in regular real life, and then his friend said something that's just eerily relevant to his superhero adventure that going on behind the scenes saying you know like sometimes when there's a big gap between two buildings you just gotta jump but he's saying it as a metaphor and he's like i am spider-man i just have to believe in myself and he jumps um so yeah well done noah absolutely um well good uh yeah so Su uh, susie also goes um well first joel and penny this is where joel leaves her uh, after all of these things, seeing the wedding ring and everything, uh, they're on the way home in a cab, and she leaves, and he goes into the office. Yes, yeah. Not a big, very big scene, didn't really need to be, but it's a moment. Yeah, and it's another one of those where, like, like it happens, it's kind of it, like a small thing, but it's all there, but I was still surprised where when we pick up in the next episode, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's a real thing. Uh, when Joel's just in his room, like in his in back in his childhood room. Yeah, and we have another scene before the big one where Susie goes and mob style intimidates the William Morris agent, uh, kind of sitting behind his desk, flipping through his things, smoking a cigarette, like you'll never. And he, you know, t tells her tells him to stay the hell away from from her client. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's like because this show. I mean, obviously, this show has uh you know deep like feminist roots and you know the struggle of a female especially in in comedy never mind comedy today but comedy in the late 50s but it never feels because this is kind of that scene this is kind of like a girl power scene 
but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel uh, empty, I guess, where a lot of times they'll be like, oh, here's the part. Like, because Susie's smart. Susie knows her shit, and she's looking out for the for the best of Midge. That's why, you know, she doesn't want her performing at parties. She doesn't want her being in duos. So I don't know if we should just keep, we play a clip of that scene we were talking about. Yeah, the big the big scene uh, where Susie and Midge have their talk. Let's play a bit of that. This party circuit thing you got going on, I don't know what you really think it is, but it's not stand-up. It's not a gig. It's a party. You are not getting paid. You are not getting booked. And those people are not a real audience. They are politely nodding at you while they drink free booze. And then they talk about the crazy lady who wouldn't shut up the whole night. I know they're not real gigs. Do you? Because it doesn't seem like it. And second of all, there is no first of all, you do not need a goddamn man at your side to do this. What the hell are you thinking? You really want to be some second-rate Nichols in May? Because there's already a first-rate Nichols in May. It's fucking Nichols in May. Now, you could be an original, but you are fucking it all up with this cockamamie alternate universe party bullshit. You want to do this? Yes. Do you? Yes. I can't tell anymore. You want me to get rid of the phone? Because I can get rid of the phone. Do not get rid of the phone. I don't need to have a goddamn phone. I don't have anybody I have to call. I got that phone for you for this partnership that I thought we were starting. We are. That's your new agent, you know that? He's not my... You do not meet with any agents without me knowing about it, ever. I did not know he was going to be there, I swear. Shit! You're not an idiot! Just drop this doe-eyed Bambi thing right now. I'm so sick of you acting all innocent. Oh, I don't know how the world works because I'm a housewife and I wear four layers of petticoats. It is tired and it is weak and you are not tired and you are not fucking weak. And if you want to be a comic, you are going to have to grow the fuck up right now. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do lately. I'm I'm trying to be strong and independent, but I saw Joel the other night and he was with her and every time I think I can breathe again, I can't. And I'm I'm trying to get it right. I'm trying to figure it out. I I know the parties aren't gigs. I know I'm not really doing stand-up. I don't want to be a second-rate Nichols in May. I, I've never even heard of Nichols in May and I've got news for you. If you're going to be a personal manager, then sometimes you're going to have to deal with the personal and this is personal. Wow, for your consideration. For your yeah. consideration. I, I think she did get nominated for an Emmy, didn't she? Yeah, as she should. Um, I Although cried. Susie. Yeah, Susie. I cried a lot when I watched that scene the first time. Uh, I, I wrote uh, on Twitter.com slash Jacob Burroughs that it's like, almost embarrassing how like Mrs. Maisel is just so good, the show, that it makes me emotional. No, I agree because there's so much great stuff going on in that scene because we're seeing Susie's vulnerability as well, uh, which is not something we're used to. And we're getting kind of the ma like the magnitude of how much she believes in Midge and how much she believes in this relationship. Like when, when she says something, when she even says, you want me to get rid of the phone? And you're like, no, don't get rid of the phone. And then, of course, with Midge, because... We don't see Midge like that. We don't, even though we know, like, obviously, uh, her relationship with Joel, Joel's a big deal. We don't see her breaking down like that. And, you know, it, it hammers home, like, how hard it is when she sees him in public with some other lady. Even though to us, to us, we're kind of like, 
you're Midge Maisel. You got it all. What do you need this Joel for? But I like that the show keeps trying to tell us and remind us, like, no, there's more to this than what we, the viewers, see. Yeah. And there, there is a real, there is a real relationship there. Because uh, the easy thing would just to be, oh, Joel's a schmuck, which he is, and they do lay that out as well. But I feel like there's enough there where you understand why it's a big deal. And yeah, this scene, uh, the scene's incredible. It's it's so much, and especially it's our two heroes, and you know we're getting that moment where they're kind of really telling each other what they need and when mid just to tell her like you're gonna have to deal with some of this stuff you're gonna have to tell me i'm good when i'm not and yeah know when to give me tough love but know when to console me and comfort me so it's it's, it's just amazing stuff yeah and she exactly says you know you sometimes you need to just fucking pat me on the back and she literally does and then even though she doesn't know how and she says Tomorrow we're signing some fucking paperwork. <laughs> like, uh, it's great for the reason you said about uh, making us realize more how real and important the relationship is because the next couple of episodes wouldn't work without that because it gets it more into Joel and Midge. Um, because previously when she's, like, she's broken down about it, but she's done it in such a terrific home run way on stage. Like, we forget that her jokes are a freaking coping mechanism. And that's why she was hilarious, because she was just spitting out poison. But that doesn't mean the poison actually leaves her body. Uh, it's still there. She's still feeling like shit. Um, and it's also a great, uh, a great scene, because... And I mean, it's a great scene on its own, but just for, I think, a lot of people, a lot of people viewing the show and a lot of people who should be viewing the show who aren't. Uh, but a lot of people can appreciate, I think, the feeling of being on your creative grind and trying to get somewhere and fighting for that. It's like it's a superhero thing, but it's also got the vibe of, you know, anyone trying to accomplish something for themselves that people don't necessarily believe in. And she found Susie, who's like the one person who believes in her more than anything, but everything is also falling apart. And I don't know, when you work on something really hard and you, you just have to keep believing in it, um, that's a hard feeling that a lot of people go through. Uh, it would be easy for her to fall back and just do the party circuit, being the lady that, and I mean, Susie says it quite brutally, but like the, they, they laugh and, and smile and drink their free alcohol and then they go home and talk about the lady who wouldn't shut up all night. Like it's easy to fall into becoming that and not aiming for where you want to get. And that's why also this is such a great motivating show to watch for anyone working in anything creative, I think. Yes, yeah. And I also like that Susie says this like I don't don't give me the, you know, I'm the clueless housewife, but I like that there's truth to it. Like Susie kind of doesn't understand that a lot of it is true. Like she kind of doesn't know what's going on. Like it's not she's not playing a, an aloof character when she meets an agent and assumes like this could be a good thing. Uh, I mean, it is a bit much that she doesn't tell these things to Susie, like with the jokes and all that. But I, I don't, I don't think, like I don't think she's putting on an act. I think she clearly doesn't know what's going on sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we get a couple of uh, tail bits of this episode. First, where Abe is signing the Bell Labs paperwork and finds out in a roundabout way about his daughter's arrests. And I was really terrified that you know, that would be the end of Bell Labs for him or that it would end with Midge needing to 
uh, like choose one or the other or something like that. And maybe that would have raised the stakes more, but I certainly liked it better that they didn't go that route. This is only how he finds out about the arrests and finds out that something is extremely off. Um, he do it doesn't lead to him finding out about the comedy, uh, strangely. It just sort of cements to him that something's off about his daughter. Yes, yeah, and we've kind of learned that Abe... Abe does this where he he finds out about something and he keeps it in. I mean, eventually it's going to come out and probably in some weird, you know, argument uh, from what we know about him. But, yeah, he he'll find out a thing and be disappointed by it, but he'll hold it in because, you know, he still, you know, he loves his wife. He loves his daughter. He doesn't want to really rock the boat. So he's trying his, his best. But, yeah, you know that that's kind of just like a ticking time bomb with him. Yeah, so that's um, that's the episode. We can also get them dubbing more uh, discs of Mrs. X, uh, <laughs> which does sound as well like a superhero thing, obviously. <laughs> but um, that leads us into episode seven. Put that on your plate, uh, where Midge uh, sees her parents moving their beds apart, which kicks off a great comedy writing montage, which is, I think, uh, a montage of a sort that I've never seen before, but it's so great to see her jokes evolve and we get the passage of time and we get it where she tells a version of a joke and has different clothes another day and tells another version of it and sort of punches it up. And within just a few minutes, uh, they're done and they're in the stage deli and realize she has a tight 10. She has a tight 11 even. Tight 11. Um, and, and I can't tell. I, I don't know if I'm just biased towards this show, but I feel like the comedy works. The, the standup, really works and especially in a in a uh sequence like this and it legit is you see the joke get better and it but it makes sense i don't know like there's a lot of things movies or whatever when they try to get into the psyche of a stand-up and usually the comedy doesn't really come off as like believable that the audience it's killing with an audience but uh, i feel like whatever they're doing here it's it's one of the biggest things that they could mess up, but I feel like they're nailing it. Yeah, and they got like they can write on different levels. They can write the joke that's kind of just an an, an idea of a joke, like when she like brings up a thing that happens in her life, and it kind of gets some chuckles, and then evolves it into something that has more of a punchline, and then evolves it into a great joke. Like they can write all of those levels, and we see the progression. And usually, when it's like a story with stand up, it's like. You know, the the actual writing of the comedy is almost left as a mysterious sort of thing. Like, it's almost like, you know, the, the equivalent of someone writing a novel and sitting with a typewriter in a, with a storm outside the window. Like, and then it magic happened and then there were jokes. But we actually get to follow along here, which is uh, super gratifying. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, it's and it's fun to see them be excited about this Title 11 they got and kind of making plans for the future. But I mean, as we know, it's a TV show, so things just can't things just can't get great and then stay great. Yeah, I mean, what is great is the scene in the stage deli where um, Sue gets emotional over how funny Midge is, and she starts crying, and like that really shows. Now they're bonded together. Like they're not like nothing's gonna fuck up their thing now. Now they're on the same page and they're working towards the same thing. So even though Midge kind of fucks up everything they're shooting for, it's still not like fuck you for doing this. It's like okay, what do we do now? Because you did this thing. Um, so yeah, 
And um, and before we get further into that, it we 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 see we see a young Joel after his bar mitzvah, and kind of what his how like it's almost uh, it explains a lot as far as his origin story as the villain who has to put up appearances because we see that that's his dad is just straight telling him this like it's all about how people perceive you so you do what you can to get those appearances to make the world think you're something because then that'll make you that thing that they think you are. And it's a fun scene. Cause then like young Joel's like shadow boxing and stuff around his dad as his dad saying like, you know, we could have got the, the bowling alley or whatever it was. We could have got it for free, but you know, it smells like beer and it, it's, it's uh and people would have known we got it for free. And then we, it's a nice cut to Joel back in his childhood bedroom. Uh, also living at home, much like midges, but, way more pathetic because we know he doesn't really have anything going for him. Yeah, and his mother chastises him about the dirty magazines under the bed. Bad boy, she says. Um, so, yeah, it's not a great situation to be in. And, I mean, his father literally, like, it's such a great uh, moment of him saying, like, okay, let me sit you down and tell you some wisdom. There's time you knew. Um, that cousin of yours who was a World War II uh, pilot or whatever – not actually your cousin but he says it like that's what you need to learn from this it's not like sorry i lied it's like take this into your heart lie to people about who you are and that when they believe you it's true and now and because then it starts uh, as the audience now i'm second guessing the story of the 13 like where are we at with the 13 now because that's a story he's always telling and well, we know that he has to you know make the perception Supposedly he's uh, there. I mean, they they are working for him, but maybe you know if you don't, you could just point out people and say which one was it. Uh, you know, this week it was that one and that one. Who knows? Uh, it's true. That's a good point. Um, but after the magazines under the bed chastisement, he does get to have a kick-ass moment at work where he is kind of bleary-eyed, dead inside. But they're talking about how they can't get the chemical supplies and everything, and he's like. Pfft. Yeah, if you don't got a business, and you're and you're the the listener or viewer is like, fuck, Joel, stop fucking everything up. But then he pitches this idea that they open their own lab, scout scientists, get all the chemical supplies, and the CEO or whoever he is is kind of feeling this idea, and things are starting to look up for Joel. Yes, yeah, he's actually got an idea, and he has something of his own that he can make into a thing. And uh, as we see, like as his storyline progresses through this episode. His main thought is he wants to provide for Midge and the kids. So it's just tough because we know we, we know Joel, so we know like how he can be pretty wishy washy. But when when the when it comes down to it, he does try to do the right thing for the most part. Yeah. Um in the next scene we have Midge and Imogen doing the party bags for Ethan's birthday. And there and Abe keeps coming out of his study to uh, chastise them again for uh, being very loud and getting names wrong and it's a very nice scene the overall uh, ending impact of it is that they're trying to get the story straight of who knows what and Abe kind of hears everything uh, and realizes with everyone thinking different things and also knowing that his daughter has been arrested uh, he decides to do something where uh, I mean I'm, I'm jumping ahead but I'm going to go to that next which is uh and they're making a very soft dinner because he's bringing his co-worker and the only co-worker he ever brings is this extremely old man but instead he brings a young handsome co-worker 
and it's just a great double turn in this scene because first uh like the turn is that they're calling him a pimp in french uh, like obviously you're trying to set midge up with this guy and that's what we think as well the viewers like it's a good uh it's a good turn then when it turn when they sit down at the table and abe just kind of drops so uh he's a this guy's a divorce lawyer <laughs> just uh out of nowhere so again escalating it as they go into the study and of course rose is still hoping that they'll end up back together and um you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good double turn. We get his motivation and obviously the frustration from the rest of the family at this happening without them having any say. Which works well because they, they also play with the audience uh, expectations and what we as viewers expect with uh, Susie's storyline because Susie is setting up uh, a gig for Midge, you know, to open for a huge comic. But she's talking about how it's going to be a bomb and she's going to bomb in front of a huge crowd. So we keep ex we're, like I'm totally expecting uh, uh, like, uh oh, this is going to you know drive a wedge in their relationship, because then if Midge finds out this was the plan all along, even if it's for her own good, maybe she's not going to take well to it. But it's all just smoke and mirrors, basically, which is which I appreciate because I, I didn't expect it to go where it goes. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I guess I had a hard time telling um, how much she actually expected her to bomb. I, I guess I think she was partially saying that just to clarify, like, no, we know this is a shit gig, but she has so much confidence in that tight 10. But then, as you say, it would probably be good for her too, but maybe not as a, her first excursion outside the gaslight to do really terribly. So I kind of think she would do average at that place, and that would be a great lesson to her. I don't know. I read it as completely like Susie knew and wanted her to bomb. Okay. Uh, and then like they were going to probably have some other gigs beforehand. I thought the plan was originally they going to have some shit gigs and then open for... Um, uh, what's her name? Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Now, it could be just because I watch a lot of medical dramas and this is like a common trope in the medical drama where uh, uh, a mentor will will set a surgeon up on a no win case. Right. And then they'll lose a patient and they'll be like, see, but you did everything you could and you tried and now you learned the greatest <laughs> lesson and you're always going to do anything you could. But I totally read it as one of those. Like I, I thought because we already saw that Midge hates bombing and that maybe like she has a tight 11 and she's doing great. But if she could see that it's not all, even with a tight 11, you could still fail. I thought that was going to be the whole uh, like lesson. Yeah. Kristen's in the chat. George O'Malley from Grey's Anatomy. He was set up to fail, but it was just so he learned an important lesson. Well, I guess it could be an MD Maisel uh, type situation. I, I I can't rule that out. I um, but it, but when I was watching it, I didn't think that. I think I I thought at the time that she was just saying whatever to this uh, agent to get him to book it, and uh, that I mean I don't know. It it does like we we do get to see this Sophie Lennon gig or not this one, but a different one. Her big Queen's character. And she gets to meet them afterwards and meet Harry and get invited to her home and like everything's going swimmingly. And uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right, because if she bombed, it wouldn't be negative for her career. The agents all know that it, she will bomb like <laughs> so uh, her actually doing that. And, and Harry goes to see her at the gaslight first. So it's kind of like getting in their good graces as well by taking a, a, a gig that no one else would take and showing it would be a lesson for her as well. So I guess in the end, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, either way, it just totally reminded me of uh, 
that type of storyline. But then they go a completely different place with it anyways, because as we see with Sophie Lennon, who is very much like, I guess, their version of um, of like a Larry the Cable, a female Larry the Cable guy for the late 50s, kind of yep. like, you know, she wears a fat suit and holds what, like a duster or something and just says, yep. like, I'm a big fat loser. And everyone starts laughing. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I just assume this was a real comic as well, but I, I looked it up. I don't. I don't think it's it's not a real person. It's just someone they made up for the show. Well, on Bustle.com, they have an article called "Is Sophie Lennon a Real Comedian?" Um, nope, no. <laughs> um, but you know, she did represent an outdated and sadly sometimes persistent point of view regarding female comedians. On stage, Lennon is a cartoon. She speaks with a thick Queen's accent and blah blah blah. So, um, which so, yeah. I mean, that's true. But I mean, like. No, it's that's just comedic. Like, like yeah, I said, yeah, for sure. Like, it's just it's a it's a low brow, easy like low hanging fruit. I mean, it, it very well could work a lot for female comedians to have to tr- take like an easy route, but it just you know it's basically any hack that just does a fake thing for for fake goofs. Well, you know what's even uh, more important about Sophie Lennon, Jim? What's, what's that? Well, we get to see her. Um, Regular, we get to see her as the the mayor first, and then we go behind the scenes and see her evil laboratory. And when we find out that she's oh, a fucking villain, like she's the big friendly character, ha ha ha! And then ski make Machiavellian behind the scenes because uh, we get to the house, this stiff upper class, hilarious like twenty butlers for no reason house. And I don't know how much of what she was doing you you felt was like condescending and how much was just what a weird fucking person. Like it was kind of hard to but but I mean, a great scene still. Um, I guess she was trying to take her under her wing, but also like obviously she's like laughing like you ate a macaroon. How droll. <laughs> like it's uh, yeah, it's kind of cartoony. Macar- oh, like macaron or something like she says it weird because she says mm. it. Yeah, like condescending way and even like oh you you like kitchens oh i love that about you uh, <laughs> I've never even my kitchen and uh i mean and then it gets pretty like uh you know pretty risque and kind of you know insulting when she's you know here's a tip cover that hole up no one wants to hear a woman laugh no one wants to hear a funny woman uh you know get out there and uh, they just want to fuck you and all that stuff like it's it's uh hammered home pretty pretty well and i like that it's done like they could easily just have a uh, some dude character be like women aren't funny you cover that pussy up you dumb bitch <laughs> mm-hmm. but i think it's i think it's more effective that it's done by a successful female comedian in this universe because she's like like it's worked for her so that's what she thinks is the only option yeah and there's uh one scene or uh, yeah, there's a couple of scenes before this where Abe does finally reveal to Rose after their big fight, after the divorce lawyer reveals that no, um, Joel actually tried to come back, and Midge said no. And as always happens in real life and in stories, she's actually more hurt by them keeping this from her than by the actual fact itself because she doesn't know her family anymore she doesn't even know her fortune teller because she goes to see the fortune teller and she's been fucking replaced oh yeah i don't know by the union is there a union or i don't know do they have different time slots or did she just quit i'm not sure but there's a different fortune teller so everything is terrible well and it's so great how the new fortune teller is so flippant about her career and about like 
she's kind of like, oh yeah, we tell fortunes here. Like it's such a, you know, hey, this is all fake. You're stupid. Why are you even here? Uh, yeah. Type attitude. Uh, but hey, we still accept cash or charge or whatever they have charged. I don't know. Big debit cards Check here. Card. You take yeah. Apple Pay. <laughs> uh, Joel also goes to Abe at his work with his plan, uh, his whole plan of how he's going to provide for the family. And Abe, who's had these great moments, I'll see you. Can I see you in the bedroom for a moment? Had these great scenes um, and like this spite and anger. He actually gets to see Joel as not the biggest schmuck ever because he tries to provide everything for his family and yet he's not providing himself he's saying left the work takes me to the to the fucking west coast or whatever then then i'll do whatever i need and he's kind of like fucking joel you fucking and he and he kind of the energy goes out of him because he's been so beaten at this point and uh yeah he's like i'm good at math and you know this leaves nothing for you so joel wants to just kind of give it all up and provide for midge and the kids and kind of try to do the right thing and make good for messing everything up basically yeah and everything with uh rose midge's mother comes to a head in the synagogue conflict where uh her mother sees the fur coat that sophie lennon gives her because she's worn it twice so she should not be wearing that again um so she has this big fur coat and that's kind of takes Rose over the edge where she actually starts cursing and yelling and I don't get to deserve to know anything then right um, and it's a big scene she causes a big scene goes against everything yes everything we know she, about her is yeah out of her way to make up stories and to keep things kind of keep images as they as they are as this happy Jewish family so for her to cause a big scene in the middle of the synagogue you know it's a big deal which leads us to the scene where Maisel has an opportunity to um, get big, get her big shot. Harry, the agent, is there to to look at her tight ten and everything. It's going to be great. And because of this conflict, I mean, this is what we were talking about when we were saying, like, her real life is going to influence the comedy, and the comedy is going to influence her real life, and she's going to write jokes about her real life and everything. She goes off book due to this conflict with her mother and due to Sophie Lennon and due to everyone telling her what to be. She kind of kills it and goes off book but of course harry is extremely upset because she kills it by also killing sophie lennon or like stabbing her at least telling telling everyone about this secret identity she's not supposed to talk about uh honor amongst thieves and all that so um they don't just don't it's not that they don't have harry on their side uh they're on harry's bad side now and he's like it's been shown the difference between harry and susan uh, or susie as far as like what level they're at so they're kind of fucked at this point but she does kill it yes yeah she basically goes off outs everything talks about how it's just a big phony fat suit and she's a rich bitch and yeah and and he takes it as it's almost whether is this a setup what are you trying to do here and to Susie, like this was her in like this was her connects and you know this guy is connected he's he's got connections all over it's it's one of those you'll never work in this town again toots get the hell out of here yeah and i mean it's it works well because it's all up like her what she is actually saying on stage is all about her um conflicts within herself as well and with her mother and everything where it's about like why do women pretend to be what they're not why do we have to pretend this and that and pretend so hard that it'll like become true kind of connects with what joel is doing as well 
So um, it's all very good, even if it's um, basically bad for her. Which brings us to episode 8, which is called Thank You and Good Night, where they're drinking away their misery at the start. Yes, yeah, they're drowning their sorrows, and um, there's uh, like kind of like a like a crackhead type lady that's coming up for money, but she's also like, oh, you're so funny, calling Sophie Lennon a bitch. It was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, leading into the hungover phone conversation the next day where, uh, where Susie's reading articles on the performance about her career suicide and everything, and Midge is like, yeah, but they said it was funny, right? So <laughs> what's the problem? And they're making a plan, as you mentioned, you've already got these two shit gigs booked up, so I guess we'll do those, and maybe then two more shit gigs, and then they're throwing up on the phone, and it's a nice little scene. Yeah, and to like, like you had said before how you know, the previous episodes had built up that their their relationship is kind of bulletproof now. Uh, and this is a nice, uh, you know, nice moment to see that because because, you know, maybe people think the way it ended that uh, Susie's going to be like so pissed off at Midge and she doesn't want to, you know, talk to her. Or she fucked everything up. But no, they have this nice moment because they've already drowned their sorrows at the bar. Now they're on the phone, hung over. Midge is under her... Uh, like hiding under her blankets and Susie's throwing up in between comments and, you know, they're going to still make a go for it. They're going to try, you know, Hey, no one man is going to get in the way of these two, uh, these two independent women that are going to take over New York city. Yes. Which will later bring us to, uh, all the different ship names, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, so, Small note at home for uh, for Mitch, she realizes that the study and dining rooms have changed places, um, which is great because it's a thing that happens <laughs> when there's a big fight or argument. Something yeah. needs to change. And in this case, Rose is not like going to move out and move in with her parents because she would never do that. And also her parents, I don't know if they're around, but uh, she instead takes the study away from Abe, who just in a sort of exhausted way is sitting in huge piles of books in what used to be the dining room. Um, so yeah, great scene there. Yes, yeah. And then um, I loved seeing the the alt comic ventriloquist is at the birthday party. Oh yeah. For, uh, <laughs> Ethan. Uh, it's such a great little, like just kind of little Easter egg, I guess, or callback, what have you. Um, and then, you know, with the birthday party, we start to see like, uh Oh, Joel and Midge, what's going on. Things are kind of seeming like old times. Yeah, it is. Um, it, like, because Midge, they, they have a first have like the, the ventriloquist and, and Imogen and stuff going on, but then they have the scene on the merry-go-round, which is just, it just looks beautiful. It's just shot beautifully of them going around and obviously very symbolic for their what's about to happen in their relationship. They're going to go around and end up where they were or are they not? And basically Joel is, you know, he's left Penny. He's doing everything to provide for them. And she thinks it's time to get divorced. And he says, you know, he will do whatever she thinks is best because she's he's so like trodden down at this point. And they come home together and their hands get entangled and then they fuck and joel starts seeing the <laughs> joel starts seeing the parts of uh, midge that she was keeping hidden before um yeah. and i have to give him extra point cuz it's not like any of that turns him away or anything it's almost like 
he actually might be like appreciating seeing more of the real person underneath, which is a great thing for actually starting to maybe like him a bit more as we need to at this point for the story. Because like all these little things of her just eating a lot and not caring that he sees her eating everything. And he's like, what? And uh, like the the broth that she was yeah. always when we were together, I always unhooked uh, every other clasp of my bra, so you wouldn't like, so you wouldn't feel bad when you couldn't open it, or maybe. And and he's like, "What did you think? I was gonna get bored." What? He's like, "Maybe I don't know." Um. So so none of that actually turns him away. He's just kind of like, "What's going on here?" And in a way, it's almost like their relationship previously didn't feel completely real, in part because of those things. So. That's interesting. Yes, yeah, and it's such a simple little moment, but when he says, um, "Is this how you always looked in the morning?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and but and it's not said in like a flippant, like it's not, it's not in a like an insulting way. It's just kind of a nice little nod, and and like you said, it's is it a sign that you know things are more real and but but still like getting better possibly? Like I, I know. Um, uh, I'm sure a, a lot of people, you know, just hate Joel or whatever, or it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to root for him, but I feel like the show did a good enough job where I was still, I was still rooting for him. Sometimes I still wanted him to not just give up when things got a little tough, but you know, we'll see if how, how that might work out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, it, it's hard to hate any, uh, like Gilmore Girls character or any character in this show really because they do a good job of not making anyone like okay this is the antagonist only like they they make them well-rounded characters most of the time anyway it's very rare that I mean if someone does it's not like a main character someone who pops in and is a jerk the guy who I mean if you're talking about flat characters at the end of the episode there's a guy who just says women aren't funny <laughs> So, so I mean, they are, they can't do that, but with a main character, they're not going to do that. So, yeah, um, I think in, uh, we see a lot, like a, a lot of the same things that were, you know, like holding Midge back. It was very similar to Joel. Like Joel had a lot of the, like between seeing like his dad and how his dad taught him to always try to keep up appearances. So he was also just doing things that he didn't necessarily want to do. And getting stuck, uh, you know, in a lot of the same ways that Midge was. I mean, obviously, Midge is way better, and Midge is kind of too good for him still. But I still root for him. Yeah, and um, Kristen in the chat saying Joel stinks. Get out of town, you two. No, I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. Well, I mean, he is the villain, and I mean, uh, definitely the budding villain for sure. But yeah. there's a, there's a lot of gray area there. Kristen also wrote that her only like um, qualm was how did nobody notice her picture in the newspaper article? And I actually pulled it up right now because I wanted to, you can kind of glimpse it in the episode when the newspaper folds over. Uh, so let me just uh, screen cap that real quick. Actually, I can uh, screen share. That's technology we have. If you're not on the freaking, uh, <laughs> if you're not on the video feed, you can't see it. But yeah, oh yeah, there we go. There it is. You can see the head there. But it's very... Um, I mean, it says Amanda Gleason or whatever, right? Um, on the thing? I can't see it. Are you sharing it? I can't see it. Okay. Well, um, maybe if I hit this button. Sorry about that. Now you can see it. Yes? There's a shot. Yeah. Now I see it. I got it. 
And I mean, it's her head, um, kind of. I mean, it's. It, I think they say in the script that it's blurry or whatever. Um, so, and also, no one knows her name. I, like, it's more. It's going to be interesting in episode one if they're going to be of, of season two when she actually calls herself the marvelous Mrs. Maisel or whatever. It's like, well, now the the jig is up. Um, yeah, I would think so. But I could buy that. Uh, I don't. I don't recall what they said. Which. Uh, which newspaper that was, but I imagine her parents are the sort of people who read very specific newspapers, and the type that would put a picture of a head on a plate with a fork sticking out of it is not the type uh, that they would read. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. I mean, how do I fucking stop this thing? All right, there we go. All right, I'm back. I'm back. My face should be in shot any yep. moment. There we go. Okay. That's a short, small detail, but anyway, back to the actual plot of the story. Um, we get the fun time morning escape out the window, uh, just like when they were kids. It's like a lot of comedy derived from them acting as children in this season, uh, and that's another great one of those. And yep. also Zelda, the housekeeper, just kind of, oh yeah, the coffee smells great. She's the only one who actually realizes what's going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm... I'm uh, how are you not rooting for? How are you not rooting for Joel? Come on, you got to root for him, even though you know he's going to let you down, but you still got to root for him. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get into the actual ending in a moment. But Joel is in a great mood at work here, uh, and they're plotting this meeting they're going to have to to get the chemical plant or whatever the fuck. And I mean, yeah, as you said, you got to root for him. But like an idiot, he just tells anyone, "Get him back together with the missus." Like, come on, Joel. And that's where you're like, Joel, for fuck's sake. Um, but no, he has to like spill the beans on that, even though it's uh, not a sure thing at all. I mean, I guess he kind of says like, maybe you never know, but he he just can't hold it in because now it's a done deal for Joel. He's got got his plan and everything, and in a way, he's not wrong because we have Midge a bit later. She's back to me measuring herself like she did when they were together, like still got it, and telling her dad and everything, and um, it's all up to Joel how he deals with this situation now. And I got to assume it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great place that they end the episode at anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, before we get to that, they have a shit gig at a strip club and they're all getting ready for it. But, you know, word came down. They're blackballed. No strip club gig. Yeah. Uh, and then also Susie goes back to the gaslight and the owner's there. No. Um, what's her stage name currently? Amanda Gleason, I think. Amanda Gleason. No Amanda Gleason allowed at the Gaslight either. Her home club. Now she's not even allowed to perform there. Yeah, and she's like Susie doesn't even pick the performers anymore. She's got to work the doors for a bit, which is like, oh my gosh. Um, and then to add insult to injury, Midge is at her day job, and then Penny rolls in to cause a big scene because um even though penny slept with midge's husband now midge slept with her husband and uh she doesn't like it you know what's yeah. good for the goose ain't good for the gander <laughs> i mean it's a, it's a funny scene in itself but like midge you're kind of like uh well she's saying like well you're making this too easy i don't know where to start i don't know what to say to you at this point because it's so ridiculous what's happening right now um but at the same time it's not like it's a positive experience for her she also gets called away to talk to the manager lady or whatever so it's all bad stuff happening as makes sense structurally at this point yeah and then joel you know he's still living high on life and he had saw a couple of the comedy records in midge's room so he's like oh hey i'm gonna go check out 
the uh, record store as well. And as the audience were like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And of course, when Joel rolls through, they're in the midst of listening to Mrs. X at the Gaslight. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, can't really be denied who, we, who we're hearing on this tape they're playing because uh, even names are dropped. And as we yeah. know, Joel is not going to handle this well. No, of course he's not. Um, he, I mean, he also go, even goes to the gaslight and tries to get a time to perform, and he doesn't get one. But he's like, "I'm going to be back tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after." And then he goes to the get the party record uh, and freaks out. Of course, <sighs> Joel. I mean, is there a universe where he handled that more smoothly? What do you think? No, no, no. no well, like again, when I'm saying that I root for him, I'm not saying he's good. Like, I know he's like I said, at the beginning of the show, he's a schmuck. I know he stinks, but it's yeah. kind of like when you want like you're hoping someone will like realize like these the error of their ways type deal and become a better person. That's what I mean when I'm I'm just they make me at least want him to to figure it out. Uh, maybe because he's so pathetic. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the next scene, he's at work. And this presentation that he was so jazzed for when he was telling everyone it was all all uh, all smooth sailing from here, uh, he's totally messing up the presentation. And I was I was even like, no, don't mess up the presentation, Joel. Too, don't do that too, Joel. But then he just quits as well and walks out. And it's like, okay, I thought he would have quit when he re when he was saying he wanted to be a stand up, but now he quits because he has nothing in his life anymore. So good job, Joel. Yeah, and then uh, now I didn't quite follow this logic now because since Midge is barred from the gaslight, they go to Lenny Bruce. Is it just because Lenny Bruce is that big of a name? If he says, "I want this person," they have to do it. I, I was trying to follow what. No, because the I, I understood it as the actual owner is not there. So like this is our last gig. Susie's gonna get fired for this. Uh -huh. uh, that's how I understood it. Like, or maybe Lenny Bruce's star power. Sorry, what did you say? About, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. So is, is it more about just packing the audience and having her do well? Mm -hmm. So she becomes more of a demand? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. Because everyone's there for Lenny Bruce, so it's like way more packed than it would be. And if she does well, those people might say like, oh, hey, where's you know Mrs. Maisel? We want to see Mrs. Maisel again. Yes, I think so. And maybe that would you know work out so that she isn't fired because... Even if Harry blackballs him or whatever, like Susie just books you Lenny Bruce. So like chill out, Mr. Owner. We just sold more than ever before. Even if Harry's not on our good side right now, uh, we don't have Lenny Bruce every night, but we got Mrs. Maisel and everyone loves her. So it's just a little tough. I mean, I guess we know Midge is that good, but it's also it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow to to think if an audience was showing up for Lenny Bruce no matter how good the young unknown comic is, if he's like, here's this person, sorry, I, it's hard to think that people wouldn't just be like, boo. Like, especially if they were really trying to set up the idea that she was going to bomb opening for a big comic. Never mind, like, a kind of weird bait and switch. That's just what, logically, it didn't quite fit for me. But I guess I get it. I get what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite, like, that's true that it's not like, it's not like, oh, the the, the fucking headhunter's here now, and, and if you do well tonight, it's going to be bang. So it's kind of like, it's not so much of a concrete thing of what they're going to get out of doing well this night. Like, imagine at a small club, everyone's like, Dave Chappelle's going to be at this club. And everyone's like, oh my god, Dave Chappelle, are you fucking serious? Everyone shows up, and Dave Chappelle's like, 
hey everybody you know this here is john redmond and then john redmond comes up the marvelous mrs redmond and i don't know is he gonna kill in front of that audience i don't think so yeah um i'm not 100 percent on why because because my imagining was you know they're gonna do great and then they're gonna be able to book other places and all these people are gonna know who she is and also they did change the name they were saying earlier that you know it was amanda gleason that was barred not mrs mazel so maybe it all works out in the end but then why should couldn't she perform as mrs mazel to regular people hmm, because they would recognize her i'm not sure but it it gets us a great climactic scene anyway oh, absolutely i mean yeah even though I'm, I'm a little lost in the logic and what i'm supposed to be thinking is the, the plan it's still an amazing like you know, episode ender slash season because everything's coming to a head and Joel's in the crowd. And it's interesting because Midge does understand at least in her world or what have you, because like in the last episode when she's like, I'm going to give my mother a break because she, she didn't want to like sit and goof on her mom. So she kind of does understand like if she, if, if someone saw her act and she's talking about them on stage, they're not going to really get it. They're just going to see it as she's shit talking them. You know what I mean? Yes. So now here we have that happen. Joel's there and, but he's seeing her like, not only that, not only is he, 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 I mean, not only is she airing out their dirty laundry, but she's doing amazing. And, and he could see that. I thought, and I love that they hammered that home that he knew she was good. And like, that's almost worse. Uh, on top of the fact that like they're she's goofing on him you know yeah it's a long scene and we um sort of follow follow his perspective through the gaslight walking around because at first even just like him wanting to be a comic and in a way i understand the perspective of like what if i introduce my friend to a band and they were always like, eh, nah, that kind of sounds like shit or whatever. And then I finally get him to listen to it. And then like a few months later, they're the drummer in the band. And I'm like, I was the guy. It was me. That was my thing. And she's the one. She's like, she, he gets to walk in and she's talking to Lenny Bruce over there. They're just hanging out. And even if the showrunners don't ship them, like what the fuck is Joel going to think when he sees them talking over there and then him on stage saying how great and funny this person is. So like all the frustration makes sense. And like, so, so he, he, he lashes out at Susie who's there and like tries to blame it on her. But and like says you ruined my life, like you did this, and she shuts him down and like no, you did that yourself. Like I didn't sleep with your secretary, um, and all that. And it, it, like I think like as you were saying, we want him to get it. And then even when there's a guy heckler, ah, women aren't funny, and he follows him out. Even then, I'm kind of thinking that he doesn't get it. But he he punches the guy and wants to fuck him up because of all the frustration. But it's not just that his like weird machismo is getting in the way. His lines are heartbreaking when he just keeps repeating, "She's good, she's yeah. good." Like not not fighting her because of insulting his wife, really, or in part, but also like, "No, you're wrong. She is funny," even though he's the one getting torn apart on stage. So that's kind of heartbreaking. And that I mean, I did say in our first episode, by the end of the season, we're going to be on board with Joel. I mean, he's still a schmuck, but I'm on board with Joel after that. Yeah, it's such um, it, it's it's just so good. Like I know, like when you listen to if you're listening to this show, you don't want to just hear someone say like this is good. Like it's just hard to really. 
it's it's so well done and then he's just kind of staggering down the street like no she's good and he means it and it like hurts because she's better than him and he and like she's kind of always been better than him like we as the audience know that but he's realizing that uh like it's such a like for eight episodes like for a culmination of the episodes it's such an amazing ending and then we get the you know, thank you, everybody. I'm Mrs. Maisel. And then I'm like, like, I literally just, I'm sitting there watching it and then it ends and I go, just to no one uh, as I'm watching, watching it by myself. I'm like, what a fucking great show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One interesting thing about it is that, like, these last few scenes, they're kind of all about Joel. And that's why that moment really works because, you know, we even get a flashback to their wedding where Midge hired dancers. Uh, uh, <laughs> and all of that stuff but but basically it's these few scenes are mainly about joel um the the, the final scenes that we kind of s- skipped over uh to get to the to the climax uh we, we have one scene she gets with each of her parents and that's kind of midge's ending for the season and joel actually gets his ending after that and it's a much bigger scene um which is really interesting um because midge is kind of with with everything going on with Susie with and with Sophie Lennon and like she's kind of had her arc at this point so that's why we tap into what's going on with Joel here um cuz there's a there's a couple of scenes and the first one is when he's when when she's telling Abe and I, I want to remember cuz it's uh easy to forget that at, at, in Midge's mind she's still up for getting back together with Joel at this point cuz that's like the last thing going on here so that's what what I meant when I was saying that it's up to him now how he handles this and I'm sure it's going to fuck it up but that's kind of where she's at so the first of these parent scenes is with her father when she uh, says they're probably going to get back together and I believe we have it lined up to play right now yes well i just wanted to tell you that Joel and I might be getting back together. Are you kidding me? That's what you put your own mother and me through. You have the nerve to come in here and tell me you're getting back together. I... She's not speaking to me. She took my study. Look at me. Look at what I have to do every single day because you wouldn't let Joel come back. I'm sorry. No. No, what? No, I forbid it. You forbid me to get back together with my husband? Yes, I forbid it. You have laid waste to everyone and everything around you. It's been like a typhoon. The Red Cross should start handing out blankets. You have ruined everybody's life. And now that there's no more havoc to wreak, you want to get back together and be happy. No, you don't get to be happy until I can get to my piano. Papa, I am so sorry. I really am. I I didn't mean for any of this to happen. I didn't mean to upset your lives. I've just missed him so much. I miss being married. I miss having someone to laugh with. Someone next to me at night. Are you sure? I love him. God uh, damn it! Great stuff. Now, it, it's it's interesting, though, because as the audience, it's we don't really see that all the time. We don't see Midge missing being... It, I don't know. It doesn't always come across that way because it seems like she's just having the time of her life, you know, being a stand-up. That's true. I mean, she we did have her falling apart 
a couple of episodes ago, and in a way, I'm sure she misses the normalcy of it more. And obviously, when they slept together, and actually realizing that she might be able to be more of herself around him. Uh, I mean, we cut the scene off, but there's the <laughs> great bit first where he goes, "God damn it!" and then like, "I'm fine." God damn it. Um, but uh, also then they start talking about change because she says, I don't know if this will happen even. And she's like, don't fucking do this right now. And uh, she she says, I'm a different person now. And he might not like who I actually am. And that's uh, and, and he starts talking about change in marriage. And it's a great scene. I mean, I would love to watch all of it. But at that point, we're just watching the show. Um, but... Yeah, it is true that she hasn't really been heartbroken as such, but maybe that's because we've mostly seen her frustrations channeled into great stand-up. So, like, she's spitting fire on stage. That doesn't mean she's not breaking apart inside, as we saw with uh, Susie there. But the real question is, does she really want Joel, or is she just kind of, like, wanting not to feel the pain she's feeling? Yeah, just the kind of the safety of the familiar... And yeah, I mean, and the scene with her mom is great as well because, uh, uh, I mean, her mom through a lot of it is kind of played up as a goof. Like we're laughing at her going to the fortune teller and the ridiculous lengths she goes through to hide the truth. But, you know, as we see in these last few episodes, just being left out of the loop and, you know, not feeling that her family trusts her, it's really taking a toll uh on like her like where she's at yeah because her mother tries weekly to sort of connect uh like let's go and i don't remember what but like let's go and do this together and she's like oh right well i can't right now and she's like well i didn't mean right now but okay but she like she knows everything is different now because you know midge is going out and she's like oh but you won't tell me where you're going or if you do you're just gonna lie to me and uh, yeah so that's what that's the thing that it's more about her being completely left out of everything. And we did see in the earlier episodes that like how this deterioration started because they were the ones always going to the kitchen and sharing a drink uh, of port or whatever it is they pour out in small glasses when things are going crazy. Like they are the ones who actually are connected because she used to be a clone of her mother and she's becoming something completely different. Um, Midge says, I'm still your daughter. And her mother's last line in the show for this season is that dress needs pearls. So it's great, great writing and great, like talking about different things at each other, but also talking about the same things and uh, not being able to fully connect. That's a great place to leave off for the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what, how, what other things we can say are great about this show, but, uh, <laughs> <Sure>. to- <laughs> I'm sure we'll think of something for next week's episode of Maiselman. <laughs> Weekly. Everybody, uh, we're doing it every week. Yeah, I mean, I guess is that that then? Was there any other parting thoughts you had? There is, because we've said it before and we'll say it again. Every show needs fan fiction. But The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel needs fan fiction more than any show because when you go to Archive of Our Own, there's one, Jim. There's only one fic. What the fic? Man, there's just one? This what show, uh, it's it's a Susie slash uh, uh, fucking uh, midship one, of course, because that's going to be the main ship, yeah, that'll clearly. Be the main. 
That'll be the main ship. Uh, second's going to be Lenny Bruce. But they didn't specify, and I, they, as the originators, they get to decide the name, I guess. But I commented and I wrote, great fic. I didn't write it, read it yet, but, you know. Great fic, what would you call the Midge slash Susie ship name? Pretty sure you get to name it since you're first. Let's see if they answered. And they have not. So uh-huh. at that point, I was like, okay, we're going to Tumblr. Because if Archive of Our Own doesn't pan out, there's always Tumblr. So let me pull up what I found here. Uh, if I fucking have it. Uh, yeah, okay. Here's fan art. It's um, it's a picture of Susie and, and Mitch. And the description is, that height difference, though. And then asterisk flips table over the height difference. Because did you know people are really into height difference in their ships? Because that's adorable when one is shorter. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure if they were against it or for it. So they're for the height difference. They're, I can only assume they're flipping the table in excitement. Um, or because it was difficult to get them on the same page with one being shorter. But I think it's excitement. So this person, Molly Zart on Tumblr, writes, um, I'm calling them... Midgey, I don't IDK what anyone else is doing. Uh, what do the other five people in the world who ship them think? Midgey's uh, bad, actually. It's better than I had Sazel. Well, I don't know, because I'm pretty sure I have the best one, which I came up with, and I don't want to, like, tr- trot on this person's toes because they were the first ones, and that kind of makes them, you know, the Columbus uh, or the Vikings of uh, the ship. But... I propose this, smidge. 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 Smidge, I like it. Need I say more? If you can get it to be a word, that just makes it more, it has more staying power. There's puns to be made. Uh, Just a smidge, a smidge, you know? It could be a smidge week, smidge Saturday. There's so many possibilities. I think smidge is good. Thank you. I'm I'm for it. I'm here for it. Good, good. So that's the main ship. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm sure the secondary one will be Midge slash Lenny Bruce. Even if it's not in the show, that's, you know, they hint it enough. It's hot enough. And I don't know if you have any ideas on Midge slash Lenny, but I uh, went with many. Many? M-E-N-E-N-Y? I mean, it's not. nothing's going to be as good as Smidge on my list. I'm not saying these are fantastic, but... Smidge, you nailed it. Like, that's going from sea to shining sea for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because I, I have to keep remembering that Maisel's not really, like, it's not her I know. last name. Yeah. So it's almost like you're, you're shipping someone with Joel. Well, uh, speaking of shipping someone with Joel, when we ship Midge and Joel, um, Mole. Yeah, Mole for sure. Good. But, uh, it, but it's not spelled like Mole. It's spelled like Joel but with an M. Yeah, of course. Like, see, you get it. That's why it's a good one. Um, I, I guess, guess I, I think many is it, or I don't know if I don't know if you keep her Maisel since she is Mrs. Maisel on stage. I guess mm-hmm. it could be Brazel for Lenny Bruce and Midge Maisel. Brazel is that what you said? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm I would be remiss. And Mole. Sorry. Oh yeah, it's Midge Maisel, and let me add that to the. What about, the, what about the people out there shipping uh, Susie and Lenny Bruce? Mm. Well, that one's not even on my list yet. Susie, Lenny, Slenny. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it. Done and done. Slenny. Okay. Well, I mean, more importantly, I think Joel and Lenny is going to be um, bigger uh, than... Oh, yes. 
because because obviously Smidge is canon. <laughs> so yeah. Joel and Lenny are left at the sides. Who are they going to ship with? That's Each other, of course. They're dudes. Yeah, that's Jenny. <laughs> Definitely yep. Jenny, dude. <laughs> See, you, you got your... Never you do got it. it. You got to do it. You really, you really, um, like you, 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 you first pitch and you're like, yeah, you got it. You, you dipped, you didn't dip your toe. You jumped straight in. Uh, I like it. We got Jenny. Um, Ooh, now, of course. I mean, I know oh, we've been long. How long we've we been going? I checked. It was a while. It's been a while, but Hey, there's more ships. We can run through them pretty. It can be a lightning round. Imogen slash Midge. That's going to be a thing. I uh, propose Imogen with Midge in the middle there. Imogen. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Rose and Abe, just robe, I guess. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Penny and Midge is, uh, that's Penny Pax and Midge. You know, that's a niche one, but it's going to be there. It's, and it should be Pidge. Pidge? Oh, that's Penny and Midge. Yeah, because it can't be many, because that's the Lenny and yeah. uh, her. So, so I think that's, no, yeah, Susie and Joel. Um, that would be Soul. Yeah, it would definitely be Soul. Like I found an article city. here that's supposedly talking about Mrs. Maisel's Gilmore Girls Easter eggs. And um, I guess you mean first, that it's a great writing? <laughs> they talk about how in Gilmore Girls, um, Emily revealed the details she had planned for Lorelai's wedding that she never got to plan. Yours was going to be a Russian winter theme. Uh, oh. It would have been beautiful. And then Midge's Maisel's wedding. A Russian winter wonderland theme. Everything was say? <laughs> There were trees painted like they were covered with snow, Midge told her friends. Yeah, and we saw it even. Did they say anything about hiring Jewish dancers in Gilmore Girls? No. And then here's another one. Uh, Luke is yelling at Lorelai about kids, saying that kids always have... Their hands are always sticky, like they got jam on their hands. <laughs> and then when Susie goes to Midge's house and... Has to hold Ethan's hand. He says, "Why is his hand sticky? Why is your hand sticky?" That's true. That is in there. That's a good. Those are good. <laughs> no. A couple callouts for you. <laughs> the good because they don't ruin anything uh, in the show. Um, that the wedding flashback is almost the the most kind of redundant thing to put in there, but I guess it's to to get us into um, Midge's head as she's kind of measuring herself and getting back into. Like, yeah, this is what we are. This is who I'm going to be. And, I mean, it goes together with her finally adopting the name Mrs. Maisel in the comedy thing, even though they probably won't end up back together anyway. Yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I, I kind of wanted her to say Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but yeah. I'll Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. So, speaking of that, um, until next season of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Please go to, we have maislemen.com, right? Yes, maislemen.com. Go to showswithgino.com. Yeah. And uh, if, if uh, you have any comments about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, because it's not to say that we won't do another uh, Maislemen before the next seasons. Because if you have comments, if you have anything you'd like to add, please send an email to showswithgino.show at gmail.com. 
Yeah, but it's going to be hard. We can't do a post-mortem like we sometimes do because now I get what all the people are commenting on my YouTube. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. I can't think of any way to improve this show, so I don't know what... To, I guess we'll talk more about how we love it. We'll review different fanfics. We'll wreck, wreck you some fanfic, recommend you some fanfic. It's all, all manner of possibilities, but it's all on the gushing side, which we so rarely get to do, and it's so nice because we are always... Like, I know we're talking about being cynical assholes, but... When something's this good, uh, I don't even know. If you didn't watch it yet, uh, we're silly for listening to this, but now please do go and enjoy The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You will not regret it. It is one of the best shows of 2018, if not the best. Um, Check it out. I mean, you probably already did, but you know what we're saying. For more from Jim, please do go to jimandthem.com. For more from me, there's awesomepedia.org. We also have YouTube channels with the same names, Jim and Them and Awesomepedia. And there you'll find all manner of non-Mrs. Maisel-related content from us. Or there's maiselman.com. I guess that sums it up. Please do leave a comment or send an email to showswhatyouknow, show at gmail.com. And there's also, of course, our Twitter, showswhatyouknow, you spelt with the letter U. That's it. Yes. Thank you, everybody.